Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our place to experience yoga in its depth and breadth as a path of spiritually conscious living in our world today. I'm your host, Yogacharya O'Brien, and today a topic that is timely and very close to all of our hearts, which is how do we thrive in our current global situation? How do we foster good health and abundant well-being? And how can we use the tools of yoga and Ayurveda to do that? And we have with us today my dear friend and spiritual colleague, Acharya Shunya. She is a globally recognized Vedic scholar, best-selling author, and spiritual teacher of non-dual wisdom, Advaita Vedanta, as well as an esteemed teacher of the Vedic science of Ayurveda. So she is the perfect one um, for this conversation today. She's also well-versed in the spiritual philosophy of yoga and is author of the highly recommended best-selling book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. In 2017, the California Institute of Integral Studies, CIIS, awarded her the Haridas and Bina Chaduri Distinguished Service Award for her extraordinary achievement as a Vedic scholar and practitioner. She also served as president for two terms for CAM, the California Association for Ayurvedic Medicine. You can find out more about Acharya Shunya and her programs at her website, acharyashunya.com. That's A-C-H-A-R-Y-A-S-H-U-N-Y-A.com. And she's going to be launching a new podcast, uh, if you're listening in real time, in May 2020. Her podcast is going to launch in August, I believe. Um, And it'll be fabulous. It is called Shadow to Self. So I know it's going to be about how to use this uh, ancient wisdom in very practical ways uh, in where, you know, it meets our everyday life. So I'm so delighted, um, Shunyaji, that you're back with me on Yoga Hour today. And thank you so much for joining me. You're such an inspiration to me, Yogacharya. And I cherish our friendship and our time together, which we call satsang, whether we meet in person or on the air. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. Before we dive into our conversation about a spiritual life and as a healthy life and some of the tools that we can use, uh, especially at this time to foster that, let's take a moment um, to meditate together just to center ourselves. 
wherever you are, whether you're out walking in nature or in your car or sitting, just take a moment now to become fully present. Take a good deep breath. And let it out. And notice your body. Feel where your body is in space. If you're sitting, feel the surface you're sitting on as well as your body. If you're moving, feel the movement of your body. Become aware of the air as it flows into your nostrils into your lungs, into your abdomen area, and flowing out again. Simply breathing, being grateful for the breath, grateful for this moment, grateful for this opportunity wherever we are, whatever the challenges are that we have, grateful for the opportunity to be spiritually supported. So we bring our attention and awareness to divine remembrance, knowing that there is one reality expressing as all that is. Right here, right now, right where we are, that divine reality is present around us, within us, through us, shining through our world, And as we touch in, in the quiet, to the depths of our own being, we remember that life of our life, that breath of our breath, that heart of our heart. And as we remember that we are divinely supported, we remember we can let go of struggle and to open our hearts and our minds to divine support. Let us be inspired on this day to ever cooperate with the infinite in ever new ways, allowing us to experience that truth of our being, to live in well-being, in the highest harmony. Again, it's my pleasure uh, to to welcome you back to Yoga Hour and to have uh, this little bit of your time, which I always appreciate and I'm always inspired um, by your presence and your wisdom. I I want to start off by uh, recommending, um, lest I forget, again, your beautiful book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. Because so much of what we can do on a daily basis now to support our immune system, to bring greater peace and clarity 
uh, to the mind is right there in that beautiful book. And, you know, although it is um, really a compendium of wisdom and practices, it uh, it reads uh, so beautifully. It's uh, interwoven with your life stories of, you know, how you learned Arveda with your beloved grandfather. So let's start there a little bit of, you know, how you came to the teachings of Arveda, Yoga, and Vedanta. Thank you for starting on the note of my guru, who I call Baba. Baba is just a simple term, which means an elder. And in India, children often call their grandfather as well as sages and seers Baba. Baba Yodhyanath uh, was the son of another great saint, Swami um, Shanti Prakash, Paramatma Shanti Prakash. And our lineage goes back several generations um, lost in the joy of learning this knowledge of Ayurveda and its sister sciences of yoga and non-dual wisdom of Vedanta and spreading the good word. And uh, I think... um, Yogacharya, it was my good fortune, karma, that I was born in this family. And I'm glad that we had this really progressive family because the Vedas themselves, the ancient teachings, which, which, which are the philosophical bedrock of Hinduism, is very progressive. The religions that come out of the Vedas may or may not be as progressive or they may have different you know, takes on how to, um, you know, how to raise a girl child or, you know, what is the role of a woman. And uh, we find a lot of openness in Hinduism and then Sikhism, Jainism, Buddhism, these are all influenced by the Vedas. But because we were a Vedic family and the Vedas say that, oh, woman, be a leader, oh, woman, be a spiritual teacher, I'm very fortunate, Yogacharya, that my grandfather had opened the doors of our lineage to women, and he chose me from among other male candidates as the preceptor and the next leader in the 21st century for our lineage. And I was groomed by him. I took my own sweet time declaring to the world that I'm a teacher because I knew I had work to do on myself. But this is how I came to it, plus my own physical challenges. I have an immunological condition that kind of insists I sit on a wheelchair. From time to time, I have used a walking stick. I have even sat on a wheelchair for, you know, a few days or weeks at a time. But I come right back using Ayurveda, yoga. I've had troubled relationships. I don't have a natural, intuitive understanding of how to be in intimate relationships. But believe it or not, I'm learning. (laughs) And this knowledge has allowed me now to settle into a relationship with myself. That helps. Uh, Shinji, you know, because we've known one another for many years, I I will add that, you know, you, you have that perfect combination that is needed for our time. So you have this uh, firmly rooted history and education in the Vedic sciences, in yoga, in Vedanta. 
and uh, you have this life in the world, you know, as a wife, as a mother, as a teacher, um, and, uh, you know, to bring forth that practical wisdom, uh, I think is exactly what's needed for our time. Of course, as another um, female spiritual leader, I feel uh, the importance of our companionship, but I, I do want to underscore that I think that the gift that you bring is bringing, in a sense, the ancient world, the modern world, which has to include the feminine and the feminine influence and the feminine, um, you know, in, in the world, in a sense, in the world, but not of it. So you have modeled that beautifully for us. And I know with your teachings today, um, you're, you're often speaking very directly about the challenges that people have living in this world, living in family and uh, taking care of responsibilities and bringing forth that ancient wisdom to do it. Um, so how do you, how do you do, let me say, how do you do that? How do you do that with yoga and Ayurveda, you know, speak so um, directly to your students about um how those uh, teachings can help us in very practical ways with our everyday life. I should say the same thing to do. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, Yogacharya, I think there is, you said it, there is not only the time for feminine leadership, um, but also time for grihastha or household spiritual leaders like yourself and myself. And somewhere we got so mesmerized with this view of a male monk sitting under a tree and, you know, or, or in the forest or in a cave, you know, be they Hindu or Buddhist or, or of, of, of some self, you know, woven understanding and, and kudos to that rare one. But really the entire Vedic tradition is, coming from people who were very much married or had lovers or had sorrow from betrayal, and, and yet they were sovereign in the middle of all of this. That's why my next book that's coming up is Sovereign Self. And, and I underline this fact that how can we really talk to people who are in relationships or have work challenges when we're sitting outside that, you know, and that, and I'm not belittling that journey. I'm not at all saying that because it is the Vedas who say that there are these two paths and choose the one that works for you. But I got the hint because I was born in a family of my Baba, my great-grandfather, my father. They have all been noble people, sage-like people, and yet they paid taxes or helped me with my homework. And somehow I could see that happen. And there was sovereignty in their vulnerability. So when it was time for me to be a teacher, I realized I was not only going to teach the pristine wisdom, but I found people, and tell me, Yogacharya, if that happened to you too, who were really conflicted between their life and their spiritual journey. As if, the, as if these were these two separate things and their own partner or their children or the television in the living room was a big problem in discovering their true nature. And I realized one of my job was to tell them that it's okay. And I have a huge television screen in my living room 
thanks to my partner wanting to watch cricket on it. And I'm still a sage leader and it's okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm the guru with the television in their living room and I don't really care because nobody can stop me from being who I am and have always been. And probably that's where it came from because I had to like kind of find my own position between people who were saying it's okay to detach not only emotionally but physically from everything. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's not the path I was given. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was attracted to teachers like you. That's why it's been so important to meet you for our afternoon lunches or tea and, you know, just just soak in your presence because you too carry your children, grandchildren, and your huge presence as a teacher unblemished, you know, and we need to really bring out that message. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. And I've been so grateful uh, to you for raising up, you know, we, I think especially in the West, I don't know about India, but in the West, the largely the perspective of the teachings that we have uh, from the Vedas are about the rishis in the caves being male. And um, you have done a beautiful job of shining a light and saying, no, no, wait, to understand uh, rishis and rishika. So there's the women and also they were family. So when you actually go back and read the stories, even in Upanishads, you find stories of the women sages um, who were grihasta, who were householders. So it's been a really important message, you know, for me, for my community, for for women, but I think it's an important message for all so that, you know, yoga is about balance and there, there, there's room, as Paramahansa Yogananda would say, there's room for everyone. There's room for everyone. And so we need to get out of this polarized view of spirituality in which, you know, the attainment is somehow off to the cave. Um, and so, as you say, it's, you know, we have been blessed by the cave dwellers. We have been blessed by many men, by many enlightened male sages. Um, but we have also been blessed by the women. And now we're living in a time where we can shine a light on that. Um, I want to just bring that light to our time because, of course, now in real time in May 2020, we are in the midst of a global pandemic that, um, you know, the nature of which, of course, everyone is affected by that. And it has uh, brought a major upheaval um, to our life, to our viewpoint about life. Um, how do you see this time? While, of course, it's such a hardship, do you also see opportunity for us in this time? Always we have overcome the Great Depression, the 911, the world wars, the earthquakes, the tsunamis. Our life is a package of dark and light and uh, mornings and evenings, sunrises and sunsets, youth and old age, birth and death. Uh, it's important to wake up and smell the brew of reality that we don't live in a world where only positive things happen. Because if only positive things happen, then the negativity of boredom will set in. And also we will no longer remain 
on the precipice of evolution. Every time there is a challenge as humanity, collectively and individually, we have gone in and found resources from that infinite self, the soul within. I feel like this is just one of those challenges. And um, we've seen this before. We've risen from it. And probably the consciousness of humanity is such that this time we will not simply uh, overcome, but probably we'll be willing to introspect and make some changes within. So there has been this movement of consciousness and not just awareness, but self-awareness for humanity. There is a big section of population you know, your and my club, where we take responsibility. But I think what has happened with the pandemic is it's making the average Joe question, what is my part in this? What can I do? And then now that humanity has withdrawn to an extent, quarantined not only their bodies, but their egos into their homes and the restoration of nature that's happening is a vivid example of there being a greater housekeeping. Mm -hmm. And probably it was an enforced order by Mother Nature, stay at home while we clean up some of your unconscious residue. I'm actually very excited at the sound of sounding sadistic. I mean, I'm my heart breaks for all the deaths that have happened, the trauma of economic, you know, downslide, the uncertainty, and I have, and I and you both, and teachers like ourselves, have really expedited our presence and our teachings to support at every possible platform. Probably that's why we decided to expedite our conversation here, so it's so timely. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't know if this is the spiritual part of me, or I've just learned this now, Yogacharya. But whenever. I'm faced now with an obstacle, like a person or a situation. There's a part of me that gets really excited. Like, what am I going to learn from this? How am I going to find my inner goddess through this? You know, how will I triumph? I feel like there is some merit to not necessarily fixing the situation, which we can, like wash our hands and take our herbs that we'll talk about and change our diet, but at the same time, kind of be okay with it, practicing okayness with the isness. Yeah, I think it's absolutely necessary. And I agree with you in terms of if we step back and take a global view, that we can see um, a very painful reset taking place. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's amazing how the uh, global climate emergency, you know, stays out of mass consciousness, you know, how we either feel, you know, overwhelmed by it, we don't know what to do, we feel angry, or we just push it aside and stay unaware. But, you know, the connection between the uh, climate emergency and the pandemic, to me, is um, so blatant. Um, and it then, you know, as practitioners of, of yoga, Vedanta, Ayurveda, you know, we, we tend to look then 
from this global down to the individual root. And, and so we say, how have I been living my life? And um, what, you know, needs to grow in me, what needs to change in me to live um, with a greater awareness um, of our interconnection, um, to, to live in a way that is um, more supportive of Mother Earth and of our interdependent life. You know, I found myself uh, during this time asking you know, really big questions, um, because even, you know, as spiritual teachers, you know, many of us, um, and especially in this last year when I was promoting my book, you know, I'm flying everywhere around the world. And, um, you know, I keep having the division of uh, uh, Greta Thunberg coming across in her boat. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fly, but I'm saying, you know, we need to think much more deeply about these things and our own um, relationship uh, to them and to the future of our world. And the intergenerational justice is a huge issue in terms of the choices that we make today, you know, impacting uh, the future uh, of our world. So, um, let me just, we're going to lead into the second uh, section in just a moment, um, but let me just briefly draw us back to Ayurveda, um, because you have such profound wisdom to offer us there. Just give us a little hint about um, how Ayurveda speaks to this time. Ayurveda is known as Ayusho Vedaha Ayurveda. It's a, what is Ayurveda and the Rishi's answer that which teaches us about life is Ayurveda. So if life is currently challenged, we can look to Ayurveda for help. And Ayurveda, in short, which we will talk more about when we come back, is about responding in a strategically intelligent manner. We can eat, make, eat in a certain way and modify our lifestyle strategically so that our immunity increases. So Ayurveda believes that there may be many threats to our immunity, such as a virus, and they do talk about invisible threats too. But if the soil is healthy, the plant will remain immune and blossom into health. We can do that. Mm, that's beautiful inspiration. <clears throat> Thank you so much. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Acharya Shunya founder and spiritual director of Vedika Global. Uh, her mission is to awaken health and consciousness through three systems of knowledge, Ayurveda, Yoga, and Vedanta. You can find out more about Acharya Shunya and her programs at her website, acharyashunya.com. We'll be right back with you in a few minutes. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm here today with Acharya Shunya, a globally recognized Vedic scholar, author, and teacher of Ayurveda. We're discussing how um, the practices of Ayurveda and yoga can support true health and an awakened consciousness, uh, regardless of the time that we're living in. It's timeless wisdom and appropriate for every situation. So, uh, Acharya Ji, I would like to um, just focus the second half of our talk today on on practical strategies, because I I know you are a font of wisdom when it comes to what we can do in our daily life that can support us in having balance and uh, healthier lives, which we all, it's really at the top of our list right now. You know, how can we navigate this stressful time that is globally stressful and regardless of whether you're on the front lines or sheltering at home, um, the stresses are there. So where would you start with um, what Ayurveda can offer us at this time um, that will help us have a steady uh, ground? Ah, great question. Where can we start? And I think a great starting place is the rhythms of life. In the Vedas, there are two teachings, like uh, if we break it down, it comes down to rhythm and satyam. So the teacher says to the student that uh, you must follow rita, which literally means rhythm. It's the root word for rhythm in English. Rita means live in the rhythm of the universe and the universal laws. And satya means truth. So when the student has learned from the guru, from the master, they conclude before they walk away, you know, back to their lives, they say, ritam vadishyami, sitam vadishyami. I see the value of rhythm and truth because when you live in rhythm, you come into the truth of your being. And the easiest way to come into rhythm is by following a lifestyle that follows the sun, just like the birds do, just like the plants do. They wake up early in the morning. They get excited even before the sun is out. So dawn is a time of the stirring of nature. But we're asleep. So it's a great time to wake as early as possible, ideally before 6 a.m. Any time between 4 and 6 would be a great time to wake up. Uh, and then to go to bed by 10 p.m., nine between 9 and 10 p.m., stay awake during the day. If you have to take a nap, take a short nap. Don't just fall asleep. We don't find birds retiring to their nests for like good two hours, you know. So, um, and try and not be sedentary during the daytime so that you build up enough tiredness to go to bed. Similarly, eat on time, have some kind of a fixed idea, breakfast by this time, lunch when the sun is really high up there between 12 and 1 p.m., dinner before the sun sets. You have to be an exceptional creature marked as nocturnal to go about eating in the middle of the night. Like if you're a snail or something like that, that eats at night. Otherwise, uh, anecdotal evidence supports that we are not nocturnal creatures. We're meant to eat with the sun. So when the so if you eat after the sun sets, it should be something very light, like a cup of warm milk, a few raisins, you know, something really light, 
like uh, the the old concept of supper, you know, really, really light. And if you get into these very basic rhythms of waking and sleep time, a fixed eating times, biggest meal when the sun is the biggest or the highest point, which is the daytime, lighter meals in morning and evening, uh, not excessive fasting, which is a new trend now with so many hours of fasting because it's none of this is natural. But, um, you know, fasting in between meals, not too much snacking so that your system has to continually, you know, keep digesting, resting the system in between meals, uh, keeping some activity going, and even rhythms of sexuality, exercise, these are also good. And really, in this short time, all I can say is contemplate upon the rhythm and do you have it? because that will introduce you to the truth of your healthy self. And at this time of the pandemic, when many of us are at home, this is a great time to come back to, to create some kind of a rhythm in our life. We may have children, we may have elders we are taking care of. It may not be perfect, but it is at least a movement towards a rhythm versus being rhythmless, which is as good as scattering away your health. And, you know, and then your truth is not what's coming from within, but it's what you're doing in the moment. Oh, I'm watching TV now. Oh, I'm just like stuffing my mouth now, even though it's midnight because I forgot to have dinner. So instead of being that kind of a person, you driven by your senses and having a life that's out of control, come back to the truth of your inner being that thrives in rhythms. Mm. We've even seen, we've raised animals, we've raised babies, we've raised plants. And to be a good gardener, you have to even water them at the same time, not randomly. Any gardener knows that. We all thrive in rhythm. There is rhythms of seasons, rhythms of sunlight and, and moonlight. Let's go back to rhythm that will support you, improve your immunity big time and give you more well-being for sure. Yeah, it's such a beautiful description, and I, I just want to shine a light on the uh, teaching that you offered in that uh, to not be led by the senses. Um, I think uh, for many, for such a long time, it's been a life of distraction, you know, led by the senses, led by external um, causes and priorities. Um, or so-called priorities in which health has been asked to take a back seat and, um, and spiritual uh, priority has been invited to take the back seat. And so now we have this opportunity where health and a spiritual um, practice and knowledge and can come into the front seat where it properly belongs. And of course, the, the two go together. So this is a wonderful time for establishing priorities. And there are so many supports for that. I know you are offering uh, many teachings. I see them on Facebook. I know people can follow you there. And, and at our center, even though it's closed, every morning now at 6.30 a.m., we are broadcasting the morning puja and silent meditation. So many, many people are tuning in every day for that support. And it has helped with Ritam 
which, you know, getting this, you're up early, you're, you know, you have done your study, you're stretching, and then you sit to meditate at 6.30 a.m. So I see many coming into that um, beautiful rhythm in that way. Now, the second part, Ritam Satyam, um, tell us more about the Satyam. The Satyam represents the true self, which is not just the body and the mind, but it is consciousness, a deeper awareness that outlasts the body and the mind. It was there before we entered this body and mind, and it will outlive the body and mind. And the self is a magical state of being. And if the body and mind are in a state of disarray, we stay distracted at a superficial level. But something like the meditations we do, the pujas that we can participate in, sit at the feet of great teachers and just listen to wisdom, a quietening happens. And then we thank the teacher. You know, we say, wow, what a great teacher, right? You and I get thanked all the time. But really what we did was we assisted people in turning inwards. And then they got blessed from within by the satyam. So there is a greater truth to be found, which is satyam. And satyam is a Sanskrit word which comes from the root word sat. And sat is that which does not change. Everything else in the world is mithya or transitory. You know, it is in transience. The cities we know today will change tomorrow. The people we are seeing today will not be here. The relationships that we count upon would have become a dream. Everything is mithya. The kings have come. Great warriors have come. Where are they today? Everything is in a constant state of change. But the inner witness always remains the same. Uh, so thank you for inviting me to talk about it because this is the essence of yoga Kriya Yoga, Vedanta, everything that we all talk about. And I love it, Yogacharya, that Ayurveda dares to go there. I mean, how many medicines talk about things like rhythm and satyam? And that's why probably my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, did become such a classic mm -hmm. in a short time because people loved my more comprehensive approach rather than just a Band-Aid approach. Here, you got immunity problem, you know, fix it. Because, because then when we try to fix things, we forget after a while, and then the senses don't want to follow anything. But the greater invitation to satyam and ritha, like, hey, your rhythms will help calm your body and mind down, which is what yoga is trying to do, and then introduce you to you, which is satyam. And we really know that the self is the only healer. You know, Beautiful. Self is the only healer. Only healer. So when we are able to access the divine self, we are naturally guided from within to eat the right food, to have the right rhythm. Um, but it's that in our modern lifestyle, we have become very distracted. And I want to add that during this pandemic, 
there is um, an additional um, pressure to be distracted um, because it's a very painful situation. It's frightening. So there is a tendency to want to distract, you know, and that might be by, you know, getting online or overeating or oversleeping, those things also that you mentioned, um, because people are afraid to connect with themselves. They're afraid of what they might feel. They're afraid of their own fear. But the truth is, if we do not distract and we actually connect with the self, we find the resources that we need. We find the calm that we need at this time. We find the guidance that we need at this time. So um, I just know that is a very important thing for us to watch for. You know, are we distracting ourselves, you know, when we could be visiting the healer um, who dwells within. Um, so um, I love discussing this philosophy. This with could you be and the I... title of a book. Are we distracting ourselves when we could be visiting the healer within? <laughs> but I don't Beautiful. want to go too far from the practical because I know you have some gifts for us today yes. and everyone's asking, you know, well, what can I do in a practical way besides the rhythms of, you know, spiritual mm -hmm. practice and daily paying attention to diet, you know, are there some other um, tools that you would recommend for us with Ayurveda now that will be supportive of our healthy um, immune system? There is a brilliant uh, representative of divine feminine on earth, and it's a spice called turmeric, Haridra in Sanskrit. And turmeric is a number one immunity enhancing agent, so much so that I don't know how many thousands of researchers have concluded that it is uh, a great supplement to be taken and it is being utilized right now um, in support of anti-cancer, anti-HIV, and just about every possible infectious condition can be dealt with or prevented. One of the best tips I can give for everyone is to wake up early and then swallow, if they're a grown adult, up to half teaspoon of organic turmeric powder. You can do that in a capsule, but if you can put it on your tongue, nothing like it, because then the tongue and the brain are connected, and we have this theory of rasa or taste. So if you taste something, it actually benefits you right away in a more potent way, but you can always do a capsule. Um, if you swallow that turmeric, it would be very useful. Now, if you're somebody who's very thin and you're trying to gain weight, I would do one-fourth teaspoon because it does lead to not radical reduction of weight, but it does not like you to be overweight. And if you are trying to lose weight, you'll have the additional benefit of having some weight loss and you don't have to get worried, why did that happen when I was not trying to lose weight? So you can do that. Mm. And you know, uh, Yogacharya recently started my partner Sanjay on it, saying, you know, the pandemic is around, why don't you start taking turmeric? And he's so happy because in the last two and a half months, he's lost eight pounds without even changing anything. <laughs> so he's like, can I continue this for a lifetime? I'm like, yes, you can, you know, because it is a rasayana or a tonic. So that's something people can do. And then one more tip I wanted to share was that if your food can be something that you know you're digesting well, 
you know, uh, you could add turmeric to your while you're cooking also sorting vegetables or if you're eating meats you can just sprinkle a tiny bit like say you're cooking for two people you don't really need more than one eighth teaspoon in that amount of food but otherwise it'll become bitter so it's just like addition along with taking in your mouth it's gonna help the digestion and digested food always prevents infectious conditions versus food that's a liability and it's you know you have to read my book or study with me to go into de greater details of what does digestion and lung infections have to do, but everything is what I'm going to say to you. I do want to take this moment to proudly tell you, Yogacharya, that among my thousands of students worldwide, we've not had a single COVID case and may it remain that way. And probably it is because people are following these basic recommendations, which is super helpful. If there is time, I'd like to talk about Tulsi also. Do we have that time? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, I, so want to Tulsi, ask you question. Yes. I want to ask a question first about turmeric. Okay. Um, I noticed um, delightfully in our local supermarket that now they actually have the fresh root, like ginger root, and then they have turmeric root. So you're talking about the powder. Um, what is the difference in uh, cooking with um, the powder versus the root? Early in the morning, chewing a root is kind of disgusting. <laughs> That's all I can say, unless you are, you know, have a super tongue. So I would say swallowing a powder is easier, you know. Um, but cooking with it is delightful. Uh, it's just like ginger. So you could chop up a little bit of the turmeric. It gives this beautiful saffron color in the cooking. And when it comes into your mouth, just chew it you know, and um, it, it's wonderful, but there is no difference really. So you could use the powder in the cooking or you could um, just chop it in and throw it in. Beautiful. It is beautiful. Even the look of the root is beautiful. Yeah. So yes, let us talk about holy basil. <laughs> Tulsi. I just remembered one more thing I wanted to share about uh, the ginger. Yeah. If you're feeling kind of nervous or anxious, the Vedic rishis say that take a root and, um, you know, make a little locket out of it or keep it near your pillow. This root is spiritual and it gives you like anti-anxiety benefit. And I did it for my child when he was growing up. Sometimes he would have nightmares or nighttime fear. And I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not talking magic or superstition, but we know that, you know, things around us influence us and our brain waves. So I really do believe that turmeric is a spiritual herb with all-rounded benefit. So you asked about Tulsi. Tulsi, yes, the holy basil. <laughs> I'm remembering the times when I have made Tulsi chai for you when you visited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I miss that. <laughs> we'll do it soon. So Tulsi is a special type of basil, as Yogacharya said. It's called holy basil. We are really fortunate that in recent years it is available in many, many garden nurseries all over um, you know, America. And you can even grow it from seeds. Seeds are available and it grows during the, you know, from late spring all the way through fall, as long as it's hot. And this is a very special um, herb that 
prevents respiratory conditions. So it's very good for asthma, bronchitis, and I'm thinking by extension, it also improves the immunity of our prana, prana, you know, of the whole vitality around our breath and breath apparatus, which is our lungs. And you, it's quite a delicious basil. So you could just walk out in the morning and pluck three leaves, which is recommended, and just chew it. That's all you can do. Or you can make chai out of it or add it to your tea. And um, you're good to go. And um, in fact, it also helps with fever. It helps with prevention. It prevents phlegm building up. And it prevents infection, anything related with your upper respiratory tract. So I would say between turmeric and tulsi, leading a more rhythmic eating, sleeping time, and remembering to connect with something deeper within, you might be in a pretty good place as you go through this um, time with the pandemic on our planet. And it's beautiful to think about the simple resources that are there for us <clears throat> to um, experiment with and to find out you know, how our system responds. As you were talking about Tulsi, I was thinking about how uh, in India, um, it really is regarded as a holy plant. And we're very often will have the place in the courtyard where it is visited in the morning and watered. And, um, and there is that element um, of the connection between the divine presence and these herbs and life itself. And so when you're um, taking some kind of quote unquote Ayurvedic remedy, you're not taking a pill, you're not taking an herb, you are communing with the powers of nature itself. And so to have that respect um, for nature um, you know, kind of as part of a daily yagya, if you will. You know, I know you have a beautiful rose and herb garden that you tend in that way, and it responds to you in that way. Um, and so if, you, if you're a listener and you have a garden, um, start paying attention to that garden and those plants as Divine Mother's bounty, and it will uh, give to you in a different way. Yogacharya, I wanted to add, since you brought up the garden, that the tulsi and the turmeric are very easy to grow. Just buy one of those roots with a little knob growing out and face it upwards, put some soil on it, and it will grow, and you can harvest it in fall, take some of it, regrow some of it. So we have this ongoing turmeric and tulsi growing in our garden. It just feels, as you said, like Divine Mother is blessing us. I just remembered that when I was growing up, the village people had like a simpler way of saying things. They don't know the proper way of, uh, they don't know Sanskrit, but they have their own slang, so to say. And there was one that I had heard, which I'd like to repeat. And it says, Jaughar Tulsi or Gai, Taughar Baide Kahu Ko Ai. So it sounds very sweet and delicious to me. But the village people are saying in that house where there is a tulsi and a cow for giving cow milk, which becomes ghee. In that house, why should an Ayurveda Vedya even visit? <laughs> we don't need the doctor. We got 
the healing stuff with us. I love it. <laughs> that is beautiful. And, and of course, it points to the deepest truth that we have been talking about today, which is that the healer is within us, the, the divine self lives in every house and in every heart. And um, I thank you so much, Shunyaji, for being with me today. Um, uh, it's a joy to see you, um, see your image online and to uh, have an opportunity to visit with you. Any short final word before we log off here today that you would like to share? I would just reiterate that it's always beautiful to sit with you, dear friend, and I really honor the work you have done. I look to you for guidance, inspiration, and um, I often tune into the yoga hour because you always have something to share. And when I get to be a guest on it, it's such a blast. So thank you so much for having me. And I really hope that our listeners um, you know, walk away with something restored inside them because it's already always restored. The true self is never broken and we can always turn inwards and find potent relief. And isn't that amazing that Ayurveda and yoga and Vedanta, Jyotish, Tantra, all these sciences and all these great even paths of religion like Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism, Christianity, you take it. They all point to something amazing within us. Yeah. It's time to turn inwards. It is time. And it's time to take our spiritual path very seriously and give it the priority that it deserves. Thank you, Acharya Shunya. I want to remind our listeners they can find out more about your teachings and also about your upcoming podcast. And I'll be delighted to be your first guest when it launches. Indeed. Um, so please visit acharyashunya.com. And join me next week on Yoga Hour. I'm going to be talking with Dr. Rachel Abrams, integrated medicine physician and author of BodyWise, Discovering Your Body's Intelligence for Lifelong Health and Healing. We'll be continuing our theme. Yoga Hour is a project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more about CSE at csecenter.org or about my teaching schedule at ellengraceobrien.com. My deepest thanks to the Yoga Hour team and to Unity Online Radio for hosting us, and especially to all of our listeners. Um, send you love and blessings. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.